Would all of the Coleman campus help me welcome all of our Fairview family here this morning. Welcome them to the service. Amen. Amen. We are glad to have you here, and I want everybody, if you will grab your Bibles real quickly, grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 22. We're going to finish up today our series on the DNA of the church, the DNA of temple, who we are, what we are. Uh, we're going to try to take everything we have covered in the last couple weeks and summarize everything and put it all into one, one particular study, one particular outline and, uh, and finish up today. How many of y'all know God has great expectations for his church? Amen. Great expectations. And we have expectations for you. And this is what we want to talk about today. What we expect out of all of our people, whether it be here in our Coleman campus, whether it be out at Fairview, uh, we want to all be on the same page. We want to all be thinking the same thing, being one mind and one accord and, and be in agreement. Uh, you can't do anything if you're in disagreement. Say amen. We got to be together on this thing, and and and, and listen. We got to have somebody leading the way. God has put some direction here. God has put vision here, and that's what we're going to try to do today. And all God's people said, "I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're not sick. And if you are sick, hide it. Say Amen." Uh, we have a Lysol shower that everybody's going to go through on your way out, and <laughs> Lord have mercy, it's everywhere. Amen. We're going to try our best to try to get well and, and pray this plague away from our state. Amen. Well, anyway, Matthew chapter number 22, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, you're going to really enjoy today. It, this, is, this is one of the, the, the main things we deal with in our foundations class. I, I want everybody to know who we are and what we're doing. Listen, you got to know the vision. If you know the vision, you know why we do what we do around here. And there's so many places that are not growing. There's so many places that are dying because there is no vision. Where there is no vision, the people perish. But we have a vision here. We have a vision. God has given us what we need to do and how we need to do it. And by the way, uh, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So if you're new to temple, you're not here to tell us what we're doing wrong. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. You know why? Because it's working. You're here. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 22 and verse number 35. Matthew 22 and 35. And then we're going to jump over to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13. And, and, and you don't have to turn there if it gets you confused. I'll just read it for you. We'll have it on the screen. But Matthew 22 and verse number 35. If you found your spot, say Amen. It says, Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? In other words, he's saying, which one's the, the, the greatest? Which one is the most important? If there was one that stood out above all the rest of them, which one would be the greatest? Well, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment. And the second is, I, I'm glad he didn't stop there, amen? He said, matter of fact, let me just tell you this too. He said, the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now watch this, this powerful, powerful statement. On these two commandments, loving God and loving others, 
on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let me, let me, let me translate that into Alabamian for you. If you will love God, and if you will love others, you'll do all the rest of them. Because if you love someone, you're not going to lie to them. If you love someone, you're not going to commit adultery. If you love God, you're not going to commit idolatry. Are y'all with me? If you love someone, you're not going to covet what they have. So Jesus is saying, boys, if you can get anything right, if you can get anything right, you need to get this right. Love God and love others. And all God's people say it. Let me read one more verse, Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. It says, for brethren, look up at the screen, look up at the screen. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Now, now read it with me. But by love serve one another. Let's say that again. But by love serve one another. So here in these few verses we've just read, we've learned that we need to love God, we need to love others, and we need to serve both. We need to love God, we need to love others, and we need to serve both. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings today. Thank you for the privilege it is to come into your house and love on you today. Love you for who you are. Love you for what you've done. Love you for being our friend and our Savior and our God and our Deliverer, our Messiah. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege it is to be in this place. Now, God, you know what I need to say, and you know how I need to say it. And I pray that you'll give me an anointing from God. I pray that you'll give me an anointing of the Holy Ghost. Lord, please, don't let me forget anything I should say, and don't let me say anything I shouldn't. I pray that you'll guard my mind and my mouth. Lord, let me be what you would have me to be and be a mouthpiece of your word. And God, I'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. This may be the simplest outline you've ever heard, and it may open your eyes to something you you probably uh, uh, never realized in your life. There are so many people that have preconceived ideas about what church is. And when I say church, I'm talking about what you do when you come here to this place. Uh, Church is nothing more than a religious activity to some. Some, it's just a habit that they've gotten into. Some, uh, church is something you do because you're supposed to. Some, it's because Paul Paul said that you go or you always went, so that's why you go. But sometimes we don't know what we're supposed to do when we get here. You say, well, we're going to worship. But what does that mean? What, what really is worship? What, what does it mean to worship? Well, worship is when you sing a song. Do you know you can sing a song and not worship? He stopped loving her today. Amen? Eat your heart out, Jalen. What are you doing? I'm singing. But, but, but that's not worship. Exactly. Do you know you can sing Amazing Grace and not worship? You can sing every song in the hymnal and not worship. Worship is not necessarily singing, but singing can be worship. When singing is triggered from the heart, 
Worship comes from the heart. Worship comes from the heart. Worship is loving. Are y'all with me? Worship is assigning worth. I told y'all, I got a little puppy at the house. Man, I love this little puppy. He's about this big. His name is Caesar Augustus. Say amen. He's a brand new little puppy, and he's at, he's at the house, and he's just raising cane. And I'll go out to the pen to feed him, and I'll put the food in the pen. And I'm thinking, he's raising cane because he's hungry, he's starving, he's wanting that food. And then I'll put the food in there, and he don't have nothing to do with the food. He just jumps all over me and licking me. You know what he's doing? He's worshiping his master. He's so thankful that his master is going to bring him something to eat and take care of him. He wants to show appreciation to his master. Somebody say amen. That's worship. Just because you sing, that doesn't make it worship. Just because you come and pray a prayer, that doesn't make it worship. Worship is when it springs forth out from inside. You cannot manufacture worship. You cannot force worship. You can't make anybody worship. I love the story. I love the story in God's Word of the woman who comes to Jesus in Simon's house. Simon is interrogating Jesus, and he's just trying to figure him out and trying to, you know, he, he's, a, he's a religious guy, a religious guy. And, and he doesn't even have it all together. But here we have this man, Jesus is in his house. And now all of a sudden a woman shows up. And this woman is a woman who had had a bad reputation. This was a woman that everybody knew who she was and what she had done. And when she came into the house where Jesus was, the Bible says she came into Jesus' presence. And the moment that she got into his presence, she began to weep. Tears began to flow out of her eyes and began to drop off of her cheeks onto the feet of the blessed Lord Jesus Christ. And when those tears hit his feet, she got down on her knees and she began to take her hair and wipe his feet and to kiss his feet over and over and over again. And, and, and Simon, he had an attitude about it. Simon, religious people will always get an attitude when broken, redeemed people will really worship like they're supposed to worship. And he said, if you knew who she was in his mind, he didn't say it out loud because Pharisees are hypocrites and they won't say what they really are. And, and if he, oh, he, he, there ain't no way he can be of God because if he knew who she was, oh, he wouldn't even let her near him. See, the only problem was is that Simon didn't know who Jesus was because if Simon knew who Jesus was, he would know he was a friend of sinners. He was a Savior who came for broken people. Oh, say man, church. I'm feeling a little spirit of worship this morning. And in here, be careful in, be careful in church what you think about me, because Jesus is listening. Jesus heard in his mind what Simon was thinking. And he says, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. Oh, Simon's in trouble now. He said, Simon, I came into your house. I came into your house, and it's customary that the host would take and wash the feet of the people that come because y'all know they wore sandals and they worked, they walked on those dirt roads and it was customary that you would be nice and you would show hospitality and you would wash their feet and you would show appreciation for your guests. Said Simon, I came in here. And listen, matter of fact, I want to tell you a story. Simon, if there was somebody who owed a great debt and he was forgiven of that debt and then you had somebody else that had a small debt and he was forgiven of that debt, who would be most appreciative and appreciate what happened most? 
Simon said, well, obviously, the one with the great debt. He said, that's what I'm going to tell you. You see this woman right here? She was a great sinner. She had a great reputation in a bad way. Are y'all with me? Well, some, hey man, somewhere down the way, this woman in her broken state, in her helpless state, could it be that she heard the words, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Could it be that this woman heard those precious words? Come unto me, ye that are thirsty, and I'll give you living water. Come unto me, ye that are hungry, and I'm the bread of life. Could it believe that she heard those words and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and she was forgiven of her sin? And now, amen, watch this. When she comes in her forgiven, redeemed state into the presence of Jesus, she began to weep. Her emotions took over because from her heart, from her heart, came a feeling and an understanding of what Jesus had done for her, and she could not help it. True worship is when you get to can't help it. And you got to say amen. You got to raise your hand. Tears fall out of your face, and you can't fake it, and you can't make it up, and you can't manufacture it. Somebody say amen. Simon, this woman has not ceased to wash my feet with her tears. This woman has not ceased to kiss my feet. Simon, you haven't done anything. This woman is doing what she's doing because she's been forgiven a great debt. You know, by the implication of what Jesus said, just a thought, by the implication of what Jesus was saying, Simon had never been forgiven because he didn't do nothing. So be careful when you go to judging people's worship in here. Their worship may not be your worship. Their style may not be your style. They may not do it exactly like you do it. But be careful when you go to judging their worship because you don't know what it cost them. You don't know what God brought them from. You don't know what brokenness God put back together. Oh, say man. Here's a thought. Matter of fact, two thoughts. Where does true worship come from? We know it, we know it comes from the heart, but what triggers it? What triggers it? I sat about that and I'm thinking, Lord, I I I, I want to teach our people to worship. And just singing a song's not gonna do that. Just praying a prayer, just preaching a sermon. Where does it what stirs in the heart? Worship. First thing, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. It takes recognition. Say that with me. Say that word. It takes, say it again. It takes, watch, watch this right here. Psalm 100. Psalm 100. It says this. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. That kind of sounds like worship, wouldn't you say? Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. That sounds like worship, right? Right? All right. What's going to cause you to do that? What's going to cause you to do that? Verse 3. Here it is. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. Amen. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people 
and the sheep of his pasture. You mean tell you why so many people don't worship? Because they haven't recognized yet. Honey, you better recognize. You better recognize who he is. You better recognize who you are. He's the master. We're the servant. He's the potter. We're the clay. He's the father. We're the children. He's the creator. We are the creature. He is God Almighty. And there is none other. He's the God who holds the oxygen we breathe in His hand. He is the God who gives us the provision that we need every single day. He's the God who said, I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. I'll be a refuge and strength and a very present help in the time of trouble. That's Him. That's Him. Do you recognize that God doesn't need us? We're a speck of dust on this big planet called Earth. And He is God who spoke this world into existence. He's the God who spoke the mountains in existence, the rivers in existence, the canyons in existence, everything that you see. He is the God who holds it in His hand. Somebody say amen. Boy, if we would just recognize. If we would recognize that we're here for Him, not Him for us. We were created for His pleasure. We are and were created. They sung a song of worship in Revelation. The first song was this, Thou art worthy. This is Revelation 4.11. Thou art worthy for Thou hast created all things. And all things are created for Thy pleasure. They are and were created. Preacher, He's worthy. Why? Because He made me. Because there was a day that He spoke my life into existence. He knew me in my mother's womb. He knew me before I ever arrived on this planet. He went way back in eternity and he dug into this earth and he formed man with his own fingers and his own hand and he breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and we became a living soul. Honey, he made you. He made you. So you should, you should worship simply because he made you. Because he is God. He deserves your praise. You know what that means? It doesn't matter if you're saved or not, you should worship Him. It doesn't matter if you're redeemed or not, you should still praise Him. Because He's God. He's your maker. He's your God. He is, oh, say man. But then it goes on in Revelation 5. And the Bible says in Revelation 5, they started singing a new song. And the old song was, you are worthy because you made me. But it, but it, but, mm, mm. but in that new song, it says, Thou hast redeemed us unto God by thy blood out of every kindred and nation and tongue. Somebody say amen. He is double worthy. He's worthy because he made me, and he's worthy because he saved me. He's worthy because he created me, but he's worthy because he redeemed me and paid for me. Oh, say amen, church. I'm feeling a little worship. Do you recognize? Know ye, he says. The psalmist said, know ye. We're the sheep of his pasture. Are y'all with me? Now, the second thing I want you to write down that will cause worship to take place. Not only recognize who you are and who he is and who he is to you and who you are to him, but appreciate it. Watch what the next verse says. Watch, watch what the next verse says. Psalm 100, verse 4. 
You see, in verse 3, it says we need to recognize. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, because of that, because of the recognition, there's appreciation. Look what it says in Psalm 104. Enter into his gates with, and into his courts with, be thankful unto him, and bless his name. <laughs> Just bless his name. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. For the Lord. <laughs> look, look. For the Lord is good. Say it with me. For the Lord is good. Some of y'all have forgotten how good he is to you. I told you, I sat, I sat on my back porch. I sat on my back porch and I could hear the creek going by. And I just started thinking how good, how good God has been to me. And right on that porch, I didn't need a piano. I didn't need drums. I didn't need a guitar. I didn't need a steeple. I didn't need a pulpit. I didn't need pews. But all of a sudden, that became a sanctuary right on that porch. I began to think about what God has done for me and who God is to me. And I couldn't help but bow down and worship him. Man, I tell you what. One time, one time I was, I was, we, we had a bus. <clears throat> Y'all remember the bus that burnt down on the interstate? <clears throat> we got a bus, and 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 I had to take it. To, I think it was to Dorgans. I didn't drive a bus. I didn't have no license, but I drove it. <clears throat> How many of y'all know them them kind of vehicles with the big steering wheel that had that had that this kind of steering? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Because it was that old. You had to go five revolutions to go that far. <clears throat> and I was going down the road thinking about this bus. It was raggedy as all get out. I ain't going to lie. And it did burn up on the interstate. <clears throat> One of our staff members always messing with me and joking with me and picking on me. And he calls me and says, Preacher, the bus is on fire. We're on the side of the interstate. There's, there's fire trucks everywhere. I said, Shut up. Mess with me again. Don't be messing with me. I'm busy today. He calls back. No, it's for real. <laughs> and I was just going up 157. Excuse me. Uh, 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 that is 157. Yeah, 157. Right before you get to the interstate. And it just dawns on me where we were in 99 and where we are now. And, man, I got excited. I started thinking about all that God's done for us. I just started worshiping. That's worship, guys. Just because you're standing here and sing a hymnal, that doesn't cause it to be worship. What are you thinking when you're singing? When you're singing with Brother Jalen, he was singing that song, I'm Redeemed. Did you think about you were redeemed? Did it cross your mind that there, you were on your way to hell 100 miles an hour and then Jesus the Messiah came to where you were and he saved your old wretched soul? He forgave you of all of your sin. Did it ever cross your mind that you're redeemed? Because if it ever does, you won't sit there and watch it no more. I don't get that anyway. Why are you just going to sit and watch? I'm going to get my money's worth. 
I don't have a good voice, preacher. I don't either. It said make a joyful noise. Sit up here. They'll never know it. When's the last time, honestly, honestly, when's the last time you really worshiped? When's the last time God knew how much you loved him? Now, watch these words. Worship. Worthy. Worship is assigning worth. Does God know you love him? Say, preacher, God knows I love him. Why? What have you done to show him you love him? I'm here, ain't I? Yeah, but what would you do when you got here? See, this is what we expect from temple people. This is our DNA. The first thing we, we need out of you is worship, to love Jesus. We learned last week that a disciple, the first thing disciples got to do is love Jesus. Amen? Amen. Love Jesus. The second part of this, he said the second commandment says the first. He said, love thy neighbor as thyself. You see, here at temple, we do, we, we love we love God. Say that with me. At temple number one, we. Now, where do we do that? We do that in our worship. All right? Say that with me. In, in, where, where, do we, where do we love God, church? We love it in our, in our worship. But then the second program we have for all of our people, and we expect everybody to be in this. We love others in our life groups. Say it with me. We love others in our life groups. All right, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Let me, let me go down some verses. Let me go down some verses. And i got to do this. I, I, I kind of got carried away in the worship. <clears throat> Watch this. Watch this. Over 50 times, over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase one another is used to describe our relationship to others. We are instructed to love one another, accept one another, bear one another's burdens, build up one another. We need each other. God never intended for us to be alone in the Christian life. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no such thing as long-ranger Christianity. You say, oh, I can be a good Christian and stay home. No, you can't. I've heard that from people, and they try to sound real spiritual about that and all that kind of stuff. But you, number one, you just broke God's word. Because he says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. So no, you can't be a good Christian and break what God said to do. You're being disobedient to his word, right? God knows you need fellowship. God knows you need care. Are y'all with me? Let me watch these verses. Watch these verses. John 15, 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Romans 15, 7, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also hath received us to glory. And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are also full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able to admonish one another. Galatians 5, 13, we read it, Love by love serve one another. Ephesians 4, 2, With all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing 
one another. You know why he put that in there? Forbearing means to put up with. Now, now some of y'all need to understand, uh, we're at church as a family, and, and some of your family, you, you got to put up with. Right? Oh, ain't y'all so holy this morning. <laughs> oh, what I want to say, what I want to say. But I'm going to do what this verse says, Ephesians 4.32, Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. First Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily while it's called today. Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Over and over and over and over and over, over and over and over and over and over in the Bible, you find one another, one another, one another, one another. Nowhere in the New Testament can you find where one of the apostles or one of the disciples was commanded to take care of everybody. Here in America, we have created a system in the church that has handicapped the church, that has basically destroyed pastors all over America because they can't keep up with the care it takes to take care of everybody because everybody thinks they pay the pastor to take care of everybody. And that's not biblical. That's not biblical. You say, oh, but it's just because y'all have a big church is why you can't take... Now, do you realize the first church on the day of Pentecost started as a mega church? Do your research. By chapter 6, there was probably 10,000 in the church. And it got to the point, the disciples said, hey, we need to focus on the word and prayer. The word and prayer. You need to choose some people among you to help take care of these needs. It's in there. But see, what we do is we ease our conscience and we put a little money in the plate and we think we paid the staff to take care of everybody so I don't have to. Wrong. It don't work that way. It can't work that way. It's impossible. The church will always stay bottlenecked at however many staff you have. And guess what? You'll never make enough money to pay that amount of staff to take care of that amount of people. Let me give you an illustration. Let me give you an illustration. <clears throat> I need a church member. Brother John, come on up. Be the guinea pig. <clears throat> this is John, church member. <clears throat> John, church member, okay? Stand right here, Brother John. I need you to look in the camera and say, hey, to Fairview. Hey, Fairview. All right, all right, all right. Here we have, here we have uh, John, uh, church member. Now, how many of y'all know John has family that he wants taken care of? <clears throat> Okay, uh, uh, most family has a, a mom. Are there any moms in here? I need a mom, just a mom. Miss, come on, Miss Jen, come on up. You'll be a mom. Come on up, come on up. Hurry, 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 hurry. Now stay in between the square or they'll say bad words to me. Okay, all right. We have a mom. Do we have any dads? Do we have any dads? I need a dad. Any dad? Any dad? Come on, Mr. Brown. Or, come on, come on, come on. Come on, hurry, hurry. We have a dad. We have a dad. Stay in the, in, in the square, in the square. Do we have, most most people, most people have a mom and a dad. Most people have a grandparent. Do we have a grandpa in the house? I need a grandpa. Anybody? A grandpa? Come on, Mr. Cone. Come on, gr grandpa. Get up here, slow folks. All right. All right. Get behind him back there. Get behind him back there. 
All right, do we have a grandma? Everybody's got a grandma. Come on, I need a grandma. Quick, 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 quick. Come on, if you're coming, come, 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 come. All right, do we have an uncle? Is there an uncle in the house? Any, any, any uncles in the house? Any uncle? We need an uncle. Well, just one uncle will do. Come on, uncle. Come on, uncle. Do we have an aunt? Do we have an aunt? Any aunts in the house? Get behind them. Stay in the square. Get behind them. Stay in the Are you an aunt? Come on up, aunt. Auntie, auntie, come on, come on, come on. All right, we have an essay. We got, we got, so far we got a mom, we got a dad, we got a grandpa, we got a grandma, we got an aunt, we got an uncle. What do we got? A brother. Any brothers in the house? We have a brother. Anybody a brother? All right, come on, brother. Do we have a sister in the house? A sister in the house. All right, well, come on, sister. Quick, 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 quick. Sister in the house. Do we have a son in the house? Do we have a son in the house? All right, a son. Come on, son, son. Do we have a daughter in the house? Do we have a daughter in the house? Any daughters in the house? Well, come on, daughter, quickly, quickly. Any daughter? I don't care. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Stay in the box. Move together. Move together. Stay in the box. All right. Stay in the box. Come on in the back. So we have a mom. We got a dad. We got a papa or mama. We've got an uncle. We got an aunt. We've got a, a, a son and a daughter. What else we got? What else? We, a cousin. Cousin. Who's got? Who's a cousin? Any cousin? Anybody a cousin in here? See what I got to work with, Riff? This is what I got to work with. Now, most people's got more than one cousin, so we need another cousin. Come on, give me another cousin. I need another cousin. Come on, come on, come on. All right, cousin, cousin, cousin. All right, we've got a brother. We've got a sister. We've got a, a papa, a mama. We've got a, a mom, a dad, and then we've got a cousin, two cousins, and, and a son and a daughter. A friend. Everybody's got a friend. Anybody got a friend? Are you a friend? How good a friend are you? A good one. All right, all right. All right, there we go, there we go, there we go. Are you in the square? And make sure y'all can see out there, fair view. All right, all right. So, so we have one church member. Yeah, that's it. Don't fall, don't fall. We got fall and fire insurance. You fall, you're fired. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we got to take care of John, church member. He's a church member, but we got to take care of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Okay, in-laws, oh, oh, I almost forgot about the in-laws. I need two in-laws. Give me an in-law. Give me an in-law. Any, any in-laws? How about outlaws? <coughs> Come on up. Hurry, hurry, hurry. There's an in-law. Got another in-law. So that makes, let's see, 13, 14, 15. Uh, we got a slow in-law right there. So Come on, Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. So that's 15. Let's see. Let's, let's, let's count again. Let's count again. Everybody count. I'm going to point. You count. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 15, 16. Okay. 16 connections. 16 connections. All right. We're averaging about 2,600 with both campuses. So let's just say 2,000 because we'll take some of the youngins out of that because you know everybody's got more than this, okay? So 16 times 2,000. Anybody want to do the math? Somebody got a calculator? Say it again. No wonder I got gray hair. <laughs> and we think that a staff of men of four or five people is going to keep up with way more than 32,000 people. 
You say, preacher, that's, that's, that's not. See, this is why we have our life groups. Five can't take care of 32,000. But one can take care of 12. Why do you think Jesus picked 12? Because he's smarter than everybody. He knew that's a good number to be able to care for and work with and love and meet the needs. Preacher, you've been here two weeks. You've seen kind of the, the trips to the hospital, the funerals, in just, just two weeks' time. It never ends. There's never a time when there's not a crisis. There's never a time when someone doesn't get bad news or someone doesn't learn they have cancer or it's stage four or it's come back or so-and-so just passed away, so-and-so just committed suicide. So it's every week. And I'm saying this, and I'm saying this to you at Fairview. Help us get in a life group. It is the only way that we can care for God's people is if we do it the biblical way and care one for another. And don't get frustrated or mad at the church if you don't get involved in the programs that we have to help take care of you and expect the church to know what you're doing, especially if you don't tell us. I know, I know y'all think a lot of your staff, but there's not one mind reader on the whole staff. Are y'all with me? Here at Temple, we expect you to be in a life group because that's the only way we can take care of you. That's the only way we can help meet your needs. And, and, and more importantly than any of that, it is the biblical way. Care one for another. Say it with me. Care one for another. Say it again. Care one for another. Will y'all give Joe Church member and all his family a hand, all right? Go ahead. Now listen, number three, number three, and, and, and we got to hurry. We got to hurry. Number one, here at Temple, we expect everyone. Let me use that word and put emphasis there. We expect everyone to worship God. We expect you to be faithful to the house of God. Be faithful to the worship. Come and don't just, do you know what it does for Brother Jalen when you actually sing with him? He's not here to perform. He's here to lead you into Jesus' presence. Are y'all with me? So participate. Participate. Get involved. When he sings, you sing. Sing loud. Make a joyful noise. Say amen. amen. We expect that. If you're going to be with us at Fairview, we expect that. Say, preacher, I don't have anything to be appreciative of. Sit down and we'll talk to you about that. Because if you're going to heaven, the other place was hell. Now, I don't know if you understand what hell is, but it's not just a cuss word. It's a place where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Are y'all with me? This place is not very pleasant. Amen? And so you're not going there now. 
The moment you came to Jesus, he washed your sin away. You are hell proof. Amen. Now that in itself is enough. I don't need any other reason. I'm not going to hell. But God just put the icing on the cake. Instead of just giving me mercy, he has offered me grace. And he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. So tell me again, you don't have nothing to be appreciative of. Amen, church. So we expect you to worship. To worship. Now, I keep coming back to this one. But here's the thing. If you'll learn to worship during the week, it will enhance your Sunday worship a whole lot more. Sitting on that porch, watching that creek go by, just made this even more, even more sweeter. Amen? All right, so we expect you to worship. Number two, we expect you to love others. In the life group. We expect you to be in a life group. We expect you to take part in the life groups. So you can, you say, well, preacher, I don't need that kind of attention. But what if somebody needs your attention? Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. One of the greatest attributes of Christianity is love for the brethren. Jesus said that by this, by this, they're going to know you're my disciples. And not how much Bible you know. It's not how much preaching you do. It's not how much singing you do. He said, by this they shall know you're my disciple, by your love for the brethren. So help me. Let's love one another. Let's love one another. Don't go through life alone. Don't think you can handle all this by yourself. Everybody needs somebody. Help us do this. Amen? So we expect you to be in life here. Number three, this is it. This is it. Here at Temple, we love God. Say that with me. We. Number two, we love others. Number three, we serve both. We serve both. He said, by love, serve one another. Now, let me let me tell everyone at Fairview, because most, most people here, I'm, I'm almost preaching to the choir here because they've heard me preach series and sermons over and over and over again about serving and, 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 and being involved in the local church and using your gift. But let me tell you something. God wants to use you. God has gifted you and God has purposed you to serve him in a local capacity in a local church. Let me give you three words. Write these three words down. If you're a note taker and you like taking these notes, here's what I want you to write down. When it comes to our gifting and it comes to serving the Lord, in Ephesians chapter 1, in Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, chapter 4, it describes God giving gifts to his people, giving gifts to the church. And, and here's the three things that we learn. A, gifts are delegated. Gifts are delegated. Let me, let me turn over real quickly. It won't take just, uh, just a minute. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter number 4. Watch this right here. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech ye that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Vocation means a job. It means a responsibility. In other words, you all have a job, a responsibility. Okay? With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of spirit and the bond of peace. 
There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But watch this, verse 7. But unto everyone, say that with me, but unto everyone, say it again, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now what does that mean? Everybody in this room has been gifted by God to use that gift to serve one another. Are y'all with me? So if you're writing these notes down, write this down. A, there are gifts that are delegated. There are gifts that are delegated. God spread them out. And by the way, don't get jealous of somebody else's gift. God knew you more than you know yourself, and he knew what gift you would need. Sometimes I look at gifted songwriters, and I'm a little jealous. I I look at gifted musicians, and I'm a little jealous. But God knows if I could play like them good boys, I'd be a hoodlum. Because I would get down. Say amen. God can't trust me with that. Amen. He allows me to play the radio. That's as far as it goes. Amen. But he's given out gifts to everybody, everybody, to you. Some have the gift of singing. Some have the gift of teaching. Some have the gift of preaching. Some have the gift of exhortation. Some have the gift of administration, organization. Man, there's so many people that's organized as sickening. But see, the people that are gifted with organization keeps and makes sure the people like me who is not can somewhat stay in the middle of the road. Say amen. And you know what? We need it all. We need everyone. Watch this. Watch this. Gifts are delegated. God give them out to everybody. Now watch what he says in verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, all these different giftings. Watch verse 12. For the perfecting of the saints. The word perfecting means maturing, completing, developing. The perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Three things there. Watch this. When church leadership matures church people, the perfecting of the saints, the completing, the the maturing, developing of the saints, then they accomplish the work of the ministry. When, when, in other words, here's, here's the way it goes: I'm here to help you and mature you and develop you, to help you find your gift and get good at your gift and deploy you in that gift. And when I am helping you and developing you and maturing you and you're out doing and exercising your gift, then the Bible says the body of Christ is edified. Does that make sense? Now, edified means to build up. It means strengthen. Watch this. Let's keep reading. <clears throat> till, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. That means complete. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. That means we don't need to be immature about our, our teaching and our doctrine, our learning, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Watch this, watch this. But speaking the truth in love may grow up, say that with me, grow up into him in all things which is the head, even Christ. Watch this, this is great, this is perfect. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, 
according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make it the increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. Now, let me translate that. That means we all got a job, and when we all do our job, if we bond together, we build together, God blesses the church, and we are strengthened, we get power, we get might, we get ability, and we grow up into Jesus Christ, and the devil can't stop us. When we are all doing our thing, everybody's got a thing, and everybody needs to be doing their thing that God gave them. And watch this. When you're not doing yours, somebody else has to. Don't be a Christian moocher. Do your part. I don't want anybody to have to do my part. I'm going to take care of my own responsibility. I'm going to do what God's gifted me to do and God's called me to do. I don't want nobody to have to take up my slack because I'm not doing what I'm called to do. Don't be a Christian moocher. Serve others. Let me, let me give you just a little motivation because I know that's kind of kind of abrasive. <coughs> I could have used the word leech, you know. I mean, you know. Let me, let me give you some motivation. I'm already over time, but here's the deal. Everybody look at me real quick. We're, we're, we're done. Just look at me. Look at me. Everybody. Ooh, balcony, up in the balcony, up in the balcony. Can y'all see me in the dark way in the back back there? Watch this. Watch this. Can y'all tell I dig what I do? Hey, oh, 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 oh. I'm six minutes late. Come on, people. Nobody has to bend my arm to get me here. Nobody has to beg me to show up. It's kind of like the, you know, mom woke the son up and said, son, you got to go to church. I don't want to go. said, you got to go. Why do I got to go? You're the pastor. Amen. You got. That's not me. I cannot wait to get here. Because it's my thing. It's what God gifted me for and what God called me to. And y'all know, y'all know I'm a sucker for a little hound dog puppy. <laughs> and I love to coon hunt. I, 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 I could be by myself out in the woods and just hear my dogs and just, but there's nothing that gives me more joy for more fulfillment than doing what I've been called to do. And so many of you today, you're trying to find that in all the other stuff. When God just said, come, do what I'm telling you to do. Well, preacher, y'all got all kind of, no, we don't. It just looks like that. Our volunteers that we have are very good at hiding flaws and, and areas of need because they're so good. But there are so many places that we need you. We desperately need you. And if you're going to be a disciple, you can't be till you learn to love God, love others, and serve both. Can we give God praise and glory? Out at Fairview, give him glory and praise. Give him honor.
I want to do this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed.